it was during this time that I went to my first Glam Trash fashion show, which is a runway contest here in Taos, New Mexico, that is all recycled, wearable art. And it was, it was created by, by two women here in Taos. And I had always heard of it and kind of seen it or bits of it. But I went and sat down in the front row and I watched my whole first show. And it blew my mind. It was the same feeling I had the second I set foot in Taos. It was the thought that why didn't, why haven't I been here? Why haven't I been doing this my, my whole life? It was, it was the feeling of finding something that was already a part of me and not knowing that it was there. I'm Julie Clare, and this is the podcast, Creative at the Wheel. Artists and creative professionals thrive in unconventionality. They reinvent themselves and find their way through impossible situations. Here, we get to have deep dive conversations on their adventures. Let's jump in. Today, my guest is Sarah Basehart. Sarah is an entrepreneur and mixed media artist, a mother of three, and earthship dweller living in Taos, New Mexico. I have to tell you, I had the pleasure of meeting Sarah um, in one of my Taos play days recently, and I was so taken by her artwork and her store, Seconds, uh, full of recycled uh, objects and things and art um, and functional things um, that I knew I wanted to interview her. I, I see such personal and professional alignment and integrity. I'm smitten. So let's start with some of what Sarah has to share with us on her bio. Um, it's quite an interesting life. As an artist, she discovered her medium was recycling in the early 1990s. And she says, my previous life experience growing up in Oxford, Mississippi, didn't include much exposure to recycling on any level. Even pursuing a BA in fine arts at Colorado College failed to bring the world of recycling and art together. However, building an earthship in the high desert of Taos, New Mexico, with my husband and life partner, Phil Basehart, was a life-changing event that directly led to a whole new way of living that became the basis of everything thereafter, and especially my art. An Earthship is a house built out of cans, tires, and bottles plastered with adobe dirt and solar powered, as well as rainwater collecting. It was a shocking moment of truth when I realized I should be living my whole life by these same concepts, recycled, reused, renewed, and transformed with my two hands. My Earthship life led directly to a small business based on supporting recycled art and artists. Seconds. Then to become the organizer of an iconic annual recycled fashion runway event in Taos called the Glam Trash Fashion Show. And even to my founding Taos First Friday in 2015. I found myself immersed in a whole new art form based on trash compilations, screwed to wooden bases, reclaimed from the local restore and other sources. Each piece, can, each piece can take up to five years to complete. For me, art has always been an upwelling of ideas stemming from exposure to inspirations that have melded together in new ways in my head. However, with my recycled compilation pieces, the inspiration comes from within, and I've never seen anything like them before. Um, wow, we get to jump in. Sarah, welcome to the, to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. I'd love to start 
<laughs> with this question. Uh, what, do, what do you think of at this point in your life when I say the word trash or garbage? I'm just curious. <laughs> I think you have a different relationship than we do to this. So, I have a wonderful artistic relationship with trash, honestly, uh, having not only built my house out of it, um, and my house is beautiful, <laughs> but because it's such an endless supply of usable material, uh, that is a problem with humanity. We, we create so much of this. And, and at this point, we struggle with what to do with the excess. Um, and I find it inspirational when I see piles of things that uh, spark inspiration in me. I just have to put them together in whatever way it steers me. And the result, especially during the last few years, has been quite amazing. Well, in my opinion. <laughs> what are you seeing? What comes out when you do this? What are you seeing? Well, I work largely in three mediums. One is non-recyclable plastics. Uh, another is non-recyclable rubber, like inner tubes. And the other is scrap metal, both found and, um, and uh, aged. I, I work both in rusty and new scrap metals. And each medium tends to go in a certain direction. Uh, the colorful plastics being largely lids and round in nature, no matter what I set out to do, they start to form mandalas. And these nearly always become gardens for me, florals and leaves and just really dense, colorful floral gardens, uh, whereas the pitch black of the recycled rubber, even though I, I tend to make botanicals with it, often become ravens or images containing ravens. And a part of that is because the whole quality of rubber when cut into feathers is very engaging. And the metals the metals take me in different directions every time. They don't follow a path. It really relies on what it is I've found or that I'm the shapes that I'm basing it on. I get it. Um, you know, ravens are a big part of our, our world here in New Mexico. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So they're, um, I, I love that they, they play a role, um, also, I, I want to out who you are as an artist in, term, artist in terms of when you're making these, because when I saw your pieces on the wall, they're pretty industrial. They're pretty big, at least the ones I saw. Yes. Who are you when you're putting these together? I mean, do you have a drill? Do you have a hat on? Are you like, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Are you, yeah. not dainty work, I'm thinking, besides, <laughs> but, you know, cutting with metal and, and rubber and, uh, but even just getting these, uh, uh, you know, things together. Yeah. Who, what, what do you look like? Who are you when you're doing these art pieces? <laughs> well, I am a craftsperson and I'm comfortable with a variety of power tools after, especially after building our house. Um, largely with the plastics, I use a drill. Everything is screwed together. I'm not a big believer in, um, in glues or adhesives because they seem impermanent as the years passed, they become brittle and, I prefer to make things that endure the test of time. 
So when I'm working on a plastic piece, I'm surrounded by boxes of screws. And as the screw box is empty, I put them aside to count them later. So I know how many hundreds or thousands of screws have gone into this piece. Um, I'm also a welder and a seamstress. So some of my pieces have elements of sewing and others elements of, of having melted metals or fused plastics together. Really, there's no limitations when you're working with recycled materials. Not when you're doing what you're doing with the drills and, the, you know, <laughs> I see it. It's quite a production. And when I pictured each one of those pieces, um, people will have to go to your site to see some of this. Uh, there is a picture on the Echo Store, isn't there, of one of your pieces? I believe there is. Yeah, and I think I, I also, saw one. I loosely put some of them on Instagram as well, although I'm not much of a social media person. Okay, great. We'll put that at the end. Uh, let people know where to find and to look. But I just want to give this, it's really, there's an installation quality to your work, I feel like. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, absolutely. Um, so when you see garbage, uh, you see some, ins not just all garbage, but trash, recyclables, uh, or unrecycled, uh, unrecyclable things is partly what you're saying. These lids to the plastic containers do not get recycled. Right. Not, so, not very often. Right. So this is what you would call this upcycling. How do you? Yes. Upcycling in, in my opinion is, is when you take a material and use it in its original form without changing the basic structure of it. Mm -hmm. um, using these lids without cutting or melting or reforming or reshaping or taking ingredients out of them is, is definitely upcycling. Got it. Um, okay. Who is, who are you now compared to the uh, younger woman, as we all were, uh, uh, going to art school? You got uh, your degree from uh, the, what was it? Um, Colorado College in, yes. in fine arts. Yes. Uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I, originally I was on my way, on my path to get a psychology degree, but uh, an unexpected tragedy during my somewhere between my junior and senior year set me on a path to find joy. And for me, that was art. So I pursued an art degree, something that I had already engaged in strongly, but as a secondary uh, degree more than anything became my primary focus. And I graduated an idealistic fine artist who worked largely in oils, some in acrylic, not very much sculpture at all. Um, and I ended up in Taos, uh, an, an artist mecca. Uh, and I kept painting for years here. And I discovered to my surprise, and maybe it was obvious to everyone else, but not myself, but that the art world after school often relies on your personality as a strong selling point. Mm. And artists are encouraged to be, if not flamboyant, then very strongly characterized by some aspect of their persona. And I wouldn't say I'm not a strong personality, but at that point I was a young 20-something white woman in a place that holds great pride in its cultural traditions and, and arts. And as such, I didn't find the acceptance that I was looking for. 
uh, in years of doing shows and selling my paintings here, the one show I had that was truly successful where I sold two thirds of what I hung on the wall was the one where I was called out of town unexpectedly on an emergency and missed the entire show and the following month afterwards. Um, and I got home and discovered that they had all sold and some of them to people I knew. And of course I reached out grateful with thank yous and they didn't even realize it was me or that I was capable of this work, even though this is how I identified myself for years already. And it kind of, uh, kind of again, made me take pause and reevaluate what it was I was doing. And at about this time, we started building our house, which of course was very immersive in the worlds of recycling and crafting uh, because my then boyfriend, now husband, <laughs> and I were living raw. We were, we were um, camping out and building the house out of garbage around us. And we weren't alone. We were surrounded by friends who were doing the same thing mm -hmm. uh, in this community, which is all houses of this type. And... And that took, you know, that took years. And it was some point during this where I still would do art on the side, but I couldn't set up an easel and paint that I started putting things together in ways that I had never seen before. And they weren't very good at first. They were just playful, funny things I would do just to get the, just to scratch that itch that is, that is, the desire to make art. And it didn't take long before I realized that it brought me such deep satisfaction, such fulfillment to make these things that at this point I, I saw as silly. Um, and it was during this time that I went to my first glam trash fashion show which is a runway contest here in Taos, New Mexico, that is all recycled wearable art. And it was, it was created by, by two women here in Taos. And I had always heard of it and kind of seen it or bits of it, but I went and sat down in the front row and I watched my whole first show and it <laughs> blew my mind. Uh, God, I feel like I'm I'm listening to an awakening or a uh, gosh. It okay. was yeah, it was a it was a real moment where I just realized that why it was the same feeling I had the second I set foot in house. It was the, the thought that why didn't why haven't I been here? Why haven't I been doing this my my whole life? It was it was the feeling of finding something that was already a part of me. And not knowing that it was there. And I threw myself full-heartedly into creating um, my first recycled wearable art pieces. And it was an obsession. And so here I am building a recycled house. And I'm, I'm making these fantastic, well, again, in my opinion, <laughs> fantastic recycled wearable art creations. And... I realized that I finally had the idea for the business that I wanted to begin and that it too would be based entirely 
on recycling and upcycling and the creation of objects through recreating trash. Okay, I'm hearing so much inspiration. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was crazy. It is crazy. You know, I want to get to what's in your store and that, but I, there's something about that path. Um, I hear a kind of self-reflection you said between, you know, more, you know, in the middle of your college years, you had a, a traumatic experience or whatever, something big happened. And then you knew that you needed to take care of yourself in another way. It sounded like. Absolutely. So there's some sense of yourself. I I'm hearing pretty early on, um, you know, you didn't continue the way you were going. Um, <laughs> no, it was a path of self-discovery for sure. Uh, and I only mentioned the store because honestly, when I realized that the store would be all recycled, I sat down and hyperventilated because there oh my was gosh. the idea that I had looked for <laughs> for so very long because I knew, I knew I liked retail. I knew I wanted to try my hand, but I couldn't figure out what was me and mine alone and not just regurgitating the ideas of other people who I admired and adored, but that could come from within. And at that point, I hadn't seen anybody else's idea of an eco store. I hadn't seen anybody's idea of, of, of selling recycled goods. And so it was truly an internal... Um, internalized idea. It, it was something that came from within and blossomed. Um, and, and you, and, knew, you yeah. knew that you wanted to do a retail. How did you know that you loved retail? After I left working construction, um, because it's always a good idea in a marriage to get some distance between good you idea. and your husband so that you have <laughs> things to talk about, you know? So I thought it was healthy for me to move away from construction. Plus, I'm a small person. I'm 5'4". I'm not overly strong. My husband thrived in the world of earthship building. And for him, it was his, his, his goal and his desire to become the best at it. And for me, it was still something. There was still something that I was looking for. But I, I loved working in friends' stores and learning about how they ran their business. So I knew that was in my future. And once I came up with the idea, I nurtured it for two years, um, trying to talk myself into having the courage to try because having had no experience of something on that level, it's hard to know when to jump in, Yeah, especially, especially when you know nothing. <laughs> right. Um, and it was a specific night when I went to a party and it was a rather large party. And after a couple of years, I was feeling pretty happy and I opened my mouth and my business idea fell out. Something wow. that I never, ever, ever, ever let out of the bag or talked to people about. And maybe a half an hour after I made this somewhat colossal mistake, I walked into a room with people I had never met before, people I didn't know. And they were talking about how they had heard about this great business idea. And wouldn't it be amazing if somebody did it? And they were discussing what I had just said a half an hour earlier to a different person. And it frightened me because I had let it out of the bag. And here were people I didn't even know talking about what a great idea it was. And somebody should do it when this was my precious brainchild that I had kept under lock and key. Okay. That's, so, that's a, this is a great story. I, 
<laughs> now, can you tell me just because of my, my little mind, did someone tell them or is this synchronicity? This was a group of similarly minded people who were all in the Earthship community right? for this party. So already there was a great interest in recycling. I get it. Yeah. So it's, and it's... so it was an interest point. And no, it's just such a, it was just such a, um, it was so in line with so many of the people's interests in that it house just, at that it moment. It was a timing, right? There was a it time. spread. And for me, it led to a sleepless night of beating myself up and totally fearing that this great idea I had was about to be pulled out from under me like a rug. And at that point, I pursued the business. I actually immediately found a space in the best part of Taos, New Mexico, and I jumped in with both feet. And that meant that for a couple of years, I wasn't really doing art so much as scrambling to learn how to run a business. Wait, when was that? When was that, Sarah? That was 2010. So that was 2010. And was it, is that the same space as I know it as in now? Yes, it is. That is an amazing spot. It is. That's yes. my favorite part of Taos. Um, <laughs> my favorite terms, part too. Yeah, walking around. That's why I go on my birthday and walk around the whole area and often. Yep. Um, okay, that's quite a story. You know, there's there are stories. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, do you know her with... Um, E pray love, but she also wrote big magic and all these other things. But she, she, she's a writer. She writes all the time. She's a serious writer. She talks about the idea that um, creative ideas have their time. They're being born. And if they come to us in their hours, we have to jump on them because often they will happen with someone else. They, they literally are like, she has this whole thing. I totally when I hear you, it. Well, I'm hearing it. So you do believe that. Cause I'm like, geez, I feels like that's exactly what you're sharing. She has experiences of uh, writing a book, starting, not writing it, starting to research it, write it, and then finding out somebody that she was meeting um, was actually writing the, what she considered the same book and uh, realized that, yeah, and she moved on. Like there was a life cycle to this. I'm hearing that. So do you call that synchronicity or is it more like something about like the timing or the birth of an idea? How do you see that? You know, here in Taos, we believe that the mountain looks after us and that when you when you're meant to live here that the mountain manifests what you need when you need it and this isn't just my belief this is this is a very common um thing here in in the mountains of new mexico in taos we hear it over and over the stories of how exactly what you need arrives when you're looking for it even if you didn't realize beforehand that, that you were looking. And that's what happened with the store because that space, uh, one place after another tried to launch a business there and failed. And from the moment I got there, um, it has just been a glorious awakening. It's been an, a fantastic store and a way for me to reach out to other recycled artists and prop them up and support them in their craft, which in turn empowers me to pursue my true interests, which were these, which became not just the glam trash fashion um, wearable art creations, but then led to these compilation pieces out of trash. Mm -hmm. My first piece 
that I started to do was after collecting plastic for probably three years. And you collect it, then you clean it, then you sort it by color, then you sort it by tone and size. And I started screwing pieces onto this reclaimed board and I had an intention and I had a preconceived notion of what I'm doing and it didn't work that way. And I got more and more frustrated trying to force it into the form that I had in my head because that's how painting works for me. I imagine and that imagination pours through the paint and it materializes. <laughs> but in this case, the material took the upper hand. And it wouldn't do what I wanted. And no matter how I tried, it, it, it didn't work. And then there came the inevitable moment where I just let loose and attacked it with vigor, I would say. <laughs> and something magical happened. It led to a different technique than the one I had originally conceived of, which led to the creation of a piece that, that fed my inspiration. So the more I worked on it, the more excited I got. And by the time it was done, I looked back at the pictures that I had shown my closest friends and my husband. And <laughs> because they're my closest friends and my husband, they're always <laughs> supportive of what I'm doing. And even in the beginning, they had said, that's, that's real nice, Sarah. Yeah, you should keep working on it. And I looked at those early pictures and I realized that without my imagination looking at it, they were very simple and plain and the idea hadn't gone anywhere. But for me, when I looked at it, I saw the potential. And when it was finally realized, I was out of plastic. And all I could think about was starting another one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, how is it? What is what is your life like to you have three kids and yes. you've got a store and now you're refinding your art life. Um, so what you're saying is you, it brought you back to your kind of primary passion of art making. Absolutely. Uh, you pursued this idea. It was kept you up all night when it seemed to be getting whisked away from you. Right. But then somehow, no, you, it can, comes together. I love this, all of it, but how is it? So when I hear you, a lot of, a lot of my work with people is helping them find their energy, follow the flow in business, in creating. And I just, that's what I'm hearing from you. Uh, story after, you know, tale after tale of how you followed the energy. Um, yeah. How did you get that time? How did you have a priority in your life? You know, I mean, it's not like you were not doing anything, right? I hear that a lot. People, people who know me, their first reaction when they look at, yeah. at something I've made is they say, where did you find the time? And honestly, um, I don't know because I didn't find the time for over a decade, um, even longer. Honestly, I walked away from my art and I, I didn't look back yeah. Um, because I was busy. Yeah. And, and then as a, as, a, as a mother, once I started having children, and my children are far apart in age, the first two are five years apart, and the second two are, are seven years apart. As a mother, I 
lost myself completely because there's always something more important to do. And for me, art is so personal and so deep and so fulfilling that I always made it secondary to the things I needed to do for life and my family and my business. Um, and I think, I think that's a, a problem that we as women have. For sure. Is that yeah. we minimalize the importance of ourselves and what we truly love to do. And I've always admired mothers who found the time to nurture themselves, whether it was by paying their bodies or their hair attention or by just sitting down and doing nothing. Um, but that's not my way. I'm, I'm very, I'm very busy. <laughs> I, I like to be busy. I like so to in other accomplish. words, this wasn't a just, oh, this is easy. I did it. Something like this my whole time. No, you did have this experience of putting things aside. Well, that's a big deal to have kids like that. Um, have a store, for God's sake, um, <laughs> and an earthship in this. Yeah, the, the community, earthship community in Taos is very famous, really. Um, it's a whole movement. It's quite a beautiful thing. It really um, is. It is. Uh, so you found your way back. So was it one of those shining moments, or was it just everything pointed there, including your family? Was it all going, it's time, Sarah? Or what was the green light? That I you told myself, well... I tried to make this time and failed. The Glam Trash Fashion Show was my first foray into doing something that I was proud of, that was artistic in many years. And it turned out that I was, I was skilled at it. Having never tried it before, I didn't know. But I'm a costumer and a seamstress, like I said. Yep. So once I started doing that, it was like relighting a fire that had gone down to just an ember. And the thirst was there, the thirst to create things with my hands. And I began to create space uh, physically uh, by getting a small studio above my store where I could gather, <laughs> where I could gather my garbage and sort it in peace without somebody looking at my trash and questioning what I was doing. Okay, okay, this is this is too much for me. I don't know why I want to laugh because <laughs> it's a you know it's quite an upscale little area in Taos, and I love the thought that the student I haven't looked up right. There's a studio above there, and you had it. Uh, that's quite a gift to yourself. That's quite uh, it a is. okay. I'm getting I'm getting yeah. some personal inspiration from you. I got chills <laughs> a second ago, uh, but this about uh, giving yourself that moment, saying. Uh, I also hear, you know, from the glam trash show saying, well, I'm really good at this. That was also a little bit more external, right? It was a organizing event. Uh, you, you were artistic, but it was also involving other people. And here you said you, you started getting that. It sounded like that pointed you back inwards to your own art making. Made and me realize said, how empty that part of my life was when I wasn't doing it. Uh, yeah. And I knew it, but painting and drawing weren't calling me at the same level anymore. Yep. Uh, my frustration with the art scene, it wasn't sour grapes because I enjoyed creating these things. It was finding that both my pictures and my visions, they aren't Southwestern images. And yet this is the place that sings in my blood that I want to live forever. And the 
my launching into creating recycled art was such new territory that it didn't come with any pre-existing feelings for me. It was okay, quite you know, open. Well, I'm interrupting here, but you know what's funny to me is that the garbage came without baggage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> now you have great? to imagine Isn't my little studio upstairs was a storage room for the maintenance crew previously, and nobody had a business or a space in that. It had a ratty cat couch and stains all over the floor and was full of paint cans and, and things like that. And when I went in and emptied it and put in shelving and started putting in container after container that's full of, you know, several huge Tupperware containers full of pop tops, several huge containers full of bottle caps, full of the tops off of lip glasses from a um, company that closed, bags of coffee bags, um, rubber tires, bicycle cassettes, bicycle chain by the gallon you know, these are the things that I'm drawn to that I collect. And then bin after bin after bin of plastics. Um, and I can spend hours, if not days, just sorting the colors. Um, it's, uh, for me, a magical place. But anybody looking in from the outside would just sneer at how it looks like piles of trash. <laughs> so having the space just to myself was the kindest thing I think I've ever done for myself as an adult because there wasn't room at home where we had built a house as young people and proceeded to fill it with more you know people that we had created every every inch becomes so important that there wasn't room for me to pile things up like a hoarder and this studio is the reason I can even make things now. Although do you, time, so you still have it. You still have I that still space. Have it. No, I didn't I still realize have that. Space. Yeah. Although for the past year with COVID, I haven't even set foot in it because mm -hmm. the only time I ever found was the time between dropping my kids off at school at 8.30 in the morning and opening my store at 10. Uh, so that was an hour and a half, which doesn't seem like much. But when I did it every single day, that's, seven to nine hours a week. And, and that's how my pieces grow. It's by squeezing. So, so my pieces, when they're done, uh, at first I was so proud. I, I put them in shows and I put crazy prices on them that I thought would guarantee they would survive the show and come back to me. And to my shock, they sold immediately <laughs> and i was horrified and Wait, what gave, i have to interrupt you what gave you the courage or the guts to do that okay you wanted to come home with them but there's a lot of reasons people don't do that what is in are you a, is it rebellion is it do you have an obscene confidence level what is that to, what do you mean put them in a, a to put them in an art show put a really high price on them oh well because i i wanted to keep them well, I, I did yeah but that's a home. that's a nervy thing to do though well, I thought, you know, sometimes people judge you when you put a, when you put not for I know. sale, uh, people judge you. And when you put a high price, people say, how could they even think it was worth that? But in this case, the price wasn't high enough and it walked away. And okay. I'm the one thing I truly am not, well, of many things I'm not, is a photographer. And of all of the hundreds of pieces I have made and let go from my life, I have no photos. And people always say, well, that's how you keep track of your legacy. So um, I have completely failed at keeping track of my legacy. And that's just 
that's just the way it is. And sometimes I feel so defeated on that count that I, I say, why start now? So, so <laughs> how important, how important is that to you? The idea of legacy, is that kind of mm, in your weaker moments, you think, oh my God, what have I done? I need a record book to, you know, to celebrate all that I've done. Yeah, or is you it, know, yeah. I think every artist has a moment where they'd like to have a, a lookbook of all their things. But at the same time, if I had it, I would just hate on the things that weren't fully developed ideas or that make me cringe with embarrassment because they were so naive. You know, and they take I, up space, right? They take up space yeah. in your life now. Um, so, but I hear it. There's a little, there's a little kickback there. Right. Wow. I didn't take pictures. Yeah. Right? You kind of want to yeah. be known when you feel like you came up with a new idea that wasn't based on somebody else's idea. You kind of do want people to recognize, Hey, that's a great idea. But I mean, I'm 51 now. I've, I've, <laughs> I've done pretty well at letting go of the past and having a complete wipeout of all of our photos. Thanks to iCloud, um, if you didn't know this, if you ever miss a payment for iCloud, they erase every photo you've ever taken with any electronic that's on your iCloud account, and they erase them permanently. Oh. There's no recovery, and if you call them weeping, <laughs> I can tell you from experience that they will say, we are not a storage facility. I see. Which is what I thought they were. So I lost all my photos anyways at one point, all of my photos of my children, everything, and at that time, California was burning. So I thought, well, at least I didn't lose my home or my life or, you know, my, um, the people who are important to me. Um, so I let go and move on. I guess photos have never been the, the burning you know, thing in my life that I have to accomplish. Yeah. But art and, has. Yeah. But art has been. Mm-hmm. What, what in you uh, do you think allows you to, uh, I hear your, I hear the word joy came up pretty early in, in our talk about, you knowing you did a joy early on when you were still in arts, you know, you were in art school and, uh, uh, but my, my question was what allows you to really embrace silly? You used that word a little bit ago. <laughs> Because I, I, I know why I do, why I, I think I loved your pieces and why I adore uh, play and the, the lifting up of a spirit in me when I see something that is maybe some people would say uh, silly. What in it allows you to enjoy it and not judge yourself with some kind of old traditional model of what is art and what is an art? You know, I've been lectured before that using the word silly diminishes what it is I do. Oh, really? And, and people have more than once given me a sit-down talk about that. But I disagree because, to me, silliness is releasing even the inner voice that judges us for the choices we make and the things we do. Uh, to me, silly is, is sometimes something to aspire to, like, like the little girl you see in her finest dress, her fanciest dress. And she's playing in the dirt and she's digging a hole with a stick and she has a bug in her pocket and, and leaves in her hair. But she's so content because she feels beautiful. And she wears that dress every single day until it's 
a torn rag. And yet, when we become adult women and we have that beautiful dress that makes us feel beautiful, we hang it in our closet on our special hanger. And we take it out at most once or twice a year and rush it back to the closet and hang it on that hanger. Because somewhere between being that child and being that adult, we've lost the sense that we deserve to wear that pretty dress that makes us feel so beautiful every single day to do nothing special in. And, and we don't actually get the value out of what brings us joy. For me, letting myself off the leash to do art is difficult. But once I do it, I don't know if it's the endorphins or what, but it's almost a mesmerizing, um, I don't even know what the vocabulary would be for it. it, it it's almost like being in a trance that I only am removed from when my back starts to hurt from the strange position I'm in or, or my hands can no longer hold those tiny, tiny screws because I've been doing it for so many hours. And when I put down my tools and stay, take a step back, I feel so content, so sated so satiated with, with the experience of having done it, that the product is almost secondary. I hear you. Um, do you think, uh, is there still some difficulty before you get started? Is there <laughs> Just still... like anything, that first step yeah. is the hardest. Um, what I really, is that first step? I, I understand you. I get it. For me, the first step is just screwing some pieces of trash on this. Um, Commitment. Whatever, whatever the object yeah. is. It's committing to move forward. Yeah. And it always starts by just putting a few pieces of trash on this board. And during the pandemic, I truly returned deeply to my art um, only because I'm a workaholic. And three months into our Three months into the pandemic, by last summer, I had finished freaking out and and not knowing what to do because I wasn't allowed to go to work. We were under a stay-at-home order and our, our businesses were closed. Right, right. Uh, that I finally turned to art uh, to counteract the anxiety of what was going on you know, the fear, the, the uncertainty. And then I took off with it. And I did a couple of pieces of progressions on Instagram because I thought if people saw how silly it looks, how uninspired and plain it looks with the first pieces of trash on a board and how it progresses with each piece until there's no more room to attach anything and it becomes a fully realized image that that beginning point as simple and uninspired and and plain as it is is the whole point from which everything grows it's yeah 
So when I hear that, I, I understand to me, it likens to when you spoke the word imagination of how you could imagine what something was becoming or could, and also that that's a challenging place, right? When you go for that first screw and you put that in and it doesn't look like anything, um, that there's a miraculous quality to that, isn't it? That it actually does become something. Isn't that crazy? Isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Isn't yeah, it crazy? It's, I think it's, yeah, it's good. It makes a believer of that, uh, <laughs> that there's a little more going on than whatever it is we're bringing to that moment because, uh, something happens beyond that we can't even imagine where we hope. And, um, you know, I, I just want to return to the word silly because when I'm genuinely silly, I feel so good. <laughs> yes, and if absolutely. I'm around somebody who can't see it, because some people really, they really respond negatively to silly, right? And some people love it. Uh, it's really like, no, it's such a life quenching experience, silly. So I just, I want to, I, I think I've, you've just become my friend. <laughs> my <laughs> silly friend. You, Julie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I honor that quality so much. Um, I refuse to be too much with somebody if they need to squash, squash that because it, <laughs> there's so much air that comes into my system and light that comes that way. Uh, so there's that. Um, I have to ask you, we only have a couple more minutes, but really quickly, were you a child that was silly or full of imagination? Did you have friends that you were making up or were you a bookworm or who the heck was Sarah? <laughs> you know, um, I've always had difficulty making friends because I'm a, a very extroverted person who is equally, um, self-conscious. And although those seem to be contradictory, I don't think they are. Um, I'm very outgoing, but, and, and I'm, I'm easy. I'm, I'm quick to trust. And so I'm easily hurt. And, and throughout life, I've found myself quite burned through all faults of my own in, in the most part. Um, but I've never let that hold me back from being a believer in humanity and people in general. But as an adult, uh, my my participation in these recycled runway shows um, is another transformation I've experienced because in a lot of ways, it it is, I have realized, a form of bio-drag. And, and bio-drag is when you dress as the same sex, but a character that you are not. Um, and for me, that's a very flamboyantly attention-loving um, woman with, of course, tons of makeup and wigs. And I use all sorts of um, costume parts. Uh, and we walk runways where you perform this embodiment of this fabulous creature dressed in this fantastic uh, wearable art creation. And the embracing of that side of myself, which is not me, I really, even since I was tiny, have hated to be photographed, uh, impossible to film me. Um, I, I dislike looking at pictures of myself, although there's, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm a normal person and I, there's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing broken or, or, no. or, or weird. I just, I, I find myself acutely uncomfortable when attention is turned on me and even more so when it's a camera. And this is something that has been my whole life, but I was a creative child. I always made things. 
Um, I even made tiny little outfits for these little brown beetles that I would find when I was extremely you young. You did? You made outfits for beetles? For beetles when I was in single digits. Uh, everything from little Santa hats to <laughs> to little dresses. And, and it was just a ridiculous thing that I loved to do. Um, and I was always into Halloween costuming. Halloween being my favorite uh day of the year and I think that that feeds back into the assuming the personality and characteristics of something entirely different from who I am oh what a it's that's an incredible through line even just the Beatles story yeah I mean that's it that's it uh, I have to I'd like to ask you this is what question are you not usually asked that you would love to be able to be asked we'd love to be able to answer that question or what question would you like to be asked that you aren't usually asked um that's a hard one you know I think I would like to be able I would like to be asked to participate in more art shows that are not based on recycling. Huh. Um, just recently, in front of me, two friends who I love dearly and I'm quite close with and I see several times a week, they talked about a show they're putting together and, and I reacted. And then I kind of ran away because these were both artists that I admire greatly, whose work hangs on my wall at home. And the other artists who they want to participate with are the other artists whose work hang on the walls of my home. And a little bit later, one of the people I overheard came to me and said, hey, and this is a person I do art with, and I do art installations and public artworks um, and interactive artworks with the public with. And she asked me, you know, do, do you want to be in the show? And my reaction without thinking was to say, oh, well, I'd, I'd love to if you didn't think I'd bring it down. Mm, and she kind of startled and said, what are you, what are you mm. talking about? And again, I ran away. <laughs> and I thought about it and I thought, how ashamed am I that right there, I did what I find the most upsetting about the craft that fulfills me is that people look at things, especially recycled things, and this is true for my store and my art, mm -hmm. and they judge them on the secondhand nature of their materials as being, as being less worthy. And I, here, I, I, yeah. yeah. I did the same thing to myself by judging myself less. All right. So if you get that again, you'd love to be asked, Hey, you want to be in this art show that wasn't a recycled art show it was an art show. What would you like to be able to answer? Uh, yes. Hell yes. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to elevate recycled art into a form of fine art as worthy as any sculpture or painting, or drawing. I think that it is a valid art form that is not as widely accepted or acclaimed. 
Well, we're going to end there, uh, Sarah Basehart, and I, I think that's an invitation. We could have another talk very easily. You're amazing to talk with. And also, I think it's very timely for you to put that out into the world. I think we all have a relationship with trash that is, uh, well, it, it's, it's up, um, I think, for all of us. We're, so many of it, we're all becoming so aware of being surrounded by plastics and and what we're using, what we're doing and looking at art. And there are a lot of art movements, I think, uh, that are connected to people and culture in different ways than, you know, kind of more classic ways of looking at art that wouldn't accept recycled art. So it's a big conversation. I want to thank you for, for being so, uh, I don't know, such an interesting person. What a life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we're, let's put, we're going to, in the liner notes, we're going to put them, uh, put a reference to your Instagram account, to a couple of these shows you mentioned, and to your store website. Is there anything in particular you want people to know right now before we close? Well, uh, anyone who plans to look at any of those three sources should uh, not expect to be too dazzled <laughs> because I did say I'm not a social media person so they may not be the most impressive um, online sources you can find but Got really it. that's and all that's out there we also know you have a pretty sketchy relationship to photographs May, so. yeah <laughs> unless, <laughs> so. I'm, unless I'm on the stage doing the um, glam trash events uh, because then I'm a different person fair enough uh, much love and till next time Thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciate you bringing me on your show today. You're welcome. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to invite you to check out my ongoing Friday online gathering, The Creative Cure for Anxious Times, where for 75 minutes each Friday, we follow our intuition and play with pen, paper, paint, whatever creative materials you have on hand as a way of coming back into alignment with life and the moment. It's very healing and a whole lot of fun. You can also learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching with creatives, both on my website, paintbiglivebig.com. 